VWB is brought to you by Guidolinos. Guidolinos is the first cereal made for Italians. It comes in three different flavors. Cannoli, Piscotti, and Spaghetti. And every box comes with a surprise. A gold chain and an anger issue. This cereal is so good you're going to be wearing a velvet jumpsuit in no time. So go to Guidolinos.com for subscriptions and boxing options. That's Guidolinos.com. It's Guidolinos. Hey, I'm eating here. Veterans with Benefits is brought to you by Gray Sweatpants. When you want to make everyone around you uncomfortable, it's Gray Sweatpants. Found in all major retailers and your depressing uncle's bottom drawer. Veterans with Benefits is brought to you by Dracula the Beer. The only Dracula-based beer that doesn't suck. Dracula the Beer may turn into a blood-sucking vampire. Please drink responsibly. Yo, what's up, everybody? Today on the season 10 finale, I have the host of the Hero Front podcast, Josh White. We go over a number of important topics, one of them being his belief that the world is being secretly controlled by what he calls Big Denim. That's right. My man believes blue jeans has and is controlling our every movement. So enjoy. Yo, what's up, everybody? This is the Veterans with Podcast, Veterans with Benefits Podcast. I am your host, former Staff Sergeant Roland Spurbeck. With me today on the season 10 finale, Josh White of the Hero Front Podcast, the number one veteran podcast of 2022, I don't know about that. I mean, I was <laughs> we're, we're going to get hey, to that. Somebody felt like that. You know what I'm saying? That's someone's opinion out there. I don't know, man. That's what they told me. <laughs> yeah. Josh, what's going on, man? Welcome to the show. What's up, man? Thank you so much for having me, man. And is this, is this the season finale for you? This is my season 10 season finale. Yes. Wow, man. How long have you been doing this? Uh, I think since the pandemic, to be honest. Yeah. I think since 2020, um, you know I what's just so funny my... about that, man? What's up? Is that when the pandemic hit? This was... That's also when I decided to do a podcast. I feel like podcasts must have been through the, the damn roof when we finally oh, had a moment it. to ourselves to, like, think about things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, like, during the pandemic, like, um, I first started off, uh, one of my buddies um, from back at Langley, he was my co-host, and we really just started this podcast just to reconnect with old buddies we haven't seen in a while. And then we start. Then we started branching off to people we've never met, like you, just to That's you know awesome, bullshit man. with bullshit with other veterans. You know, talk like you talk at the smoke pit with them. Because Absolutely. I feel like that's like that's like to me, you know, chilling with your buddies. You know, complaining about work is the real military. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you know, yeah. you know, you're living in the dorms. You know, you're talking shit about every NCO that hate you hate. <laughs> right that's the real military experience come on tell me i'm wrong you're so right man you're so right and i used to be I, and you know some career fields are a little bit worse than others and i used to be aerospace ground equipment and dude you want to talk about you know hating our ncos good god man when i was age it was brutal oh brutal. you were age yes man i was age 
Okay, yeah. So we were uh, we were maintenance brothers for a little while before you went somewhere else. Okay, I was um I was survival equipment when I came in. So we were part of the Fab Flight. Um, so I was doing a little research on you, and uh, so you went in in 04, right? July of 04. Hey man, I just lost signal, but I just got back on. And if for anyone who's listening, I am uh, coming to you from an undisclosed location where I don't have the the most amazing internet. So I did get disconnected for. Oh, it's okay. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, um, Josh's equipment might get a little dusty, so um, <laughs> we might lose him a little bit. But yeah. what I was saying when you when you said you were an age. Because I was yeah. maintenance as well. Um, I was part of the fab flight. So I had a bunch of age buddies. Um, what I was saying to you before I lost you for that second. Uh, so you went in July of 04, correct? Yes, July of 04. Yep. Okay, okay. I came in in May of 05. So oh, wow. So we're, we're right there, you know, right around the same time, man. You went through basic training when it was wild, just like me. Yep. So, dude, you're about to retire, man. How do you feel about that? I, it, it absolutely blows my mind, man. And I know you, you, we've always heard that as we were like coming up as airmen, you know, when people, when we go to these, when we had to go to retirements, you know, um, and we just sit there and listen to what people have to say. And they're like, I can't believe, you know, the times went by, you know, it does. At a certain point, you're just grinding for so long that it just sneaks up on you. And then you get to your last space and you don't even, you didn't even realize it. You know, you just kind of think about it and you think you kind of do the math in your head and you're like, shit, this could be like my last assignment. And and that is mind boggling, dude. I never thought well, I didn't it, it, think it, I could it, make it. To me, I still can't believe that it. it's still such a weird concept that like guys our age are now the old dudes. Because I still feel unusual. like I'm 12. Yeah, I know you think about your future. Totally different. And then you finally get there and, and you really just know how to pretend better, right? You're, you're not actually different, though. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> so, so, dude, um, I wanted to talk to you about this because uh, I was listening to a couple of your episodes uh, this week just to prepare. Um, I, have, I had listened to uh, an episode where you had some chief on. I forget his name, but it was pretty recent. And uh, I listened to the Janae episode. Okay. I tried get, I tried getting her on this show. Um Oh, nice. But she, uh, I messaged her. She wrote me back, but then like weeks went by and I didn't hear from her, so I was like, "Ah, oh, maybe she doesn't want to really do it." So I just didn't bug her about it. But She's um, pretty I mean, she just started her own platform, so I think she just got flooded with trying to navigate her own podcast journey, you know, it, it can be a lot of especially when you're new. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not talking shit. I'm just like, yeah, she's probably busy as hell because I could tell, like I could tell she's got all this shit going on way more than I do. So I was like, yeah, yeah she gets back busy. to me. She gets back. But uh, I think when you were talking to that chief, you were talking about your first base at, at uh, Anderson in Guam. Yeah, buddy. So you were in Guam in what? Oh five. Yep. Oh five. Oh six. Okay, dude. I was there in oh six too. We might have been there together, bro. <laughs> I I was I was at the bars every single weekend, and uh, I was also in a band that played at I don't know if you remember the bar. It was called um, Live House, and they yeah, had yeah I live do remember band. that bar. 
Well, I was like the least singer of this really horrible band called Faded Memories, and uh, the band flinched would let us use their equipment. Uh, you know, probably once a month, we'd go up there and, and give it a try and get hammered and sing screamo music. And I mean, it's pretty cringy, but it was actually the time of our life. You know, it was. Dude, we're about to become we're about we're about to become best friends because when I first got in and I was in the dorms, me and my buddies uh, we formed a band. I was the really? harmonica player and the songwriter, and our band was called The Nips. Oh my god! <laughs> we never played. No, we played one show in front of some like uh, in front of some girls, and then that was it. <laughs> that was it. Y'all retired. <laughs> yeah, we retired after that, dude. Dude, uh, we played. I probably I mean, played about five five shows, and uh, every single time I was blackout drunk because it was absolutely terrifying to try to get up there with no practice. In hindsight, hindsight, you know, it, it was it was a time of my life. It really was. What was that? Um, what was that strip club uh, called? The one right next to the tattoo parlor. It was like at the end of that strip. The one that I remember the, the name of. Oh yeah, the G spot. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. So. Is that one called USA? Yeah, Club USA. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I, I got a funny Club USA story for you. And if you got okay. one, you could tell me. Okay. So we're at one. Club USA. We're at Club USA, and um, this girl's dancing in front of us. And it was all airmen except our one uh, dirtbag uh, master sergeant who hung out with us. And we loved him because he didn't give a shit. So this stripper goes up to him, takes his glasses off, inserts them. No. Puts t- takes them out, puts them back on his head. We're like, bro, get those glasses off your face right now before you before you go dude. blind. Bro, bro that is brutal, dude. <laughs> oh my god. I wish we would have took a picture of him because like he was all happy when he put him back on. I'm like, we're like, take them off now, take them off. He's got like slime dripping down his face. You're thinking oh, he's all cool. God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. That's why I still no, remember it. No, I, I've, and you will see things like that there, one hundred percent. So I guess my Club USA story was, so I had a buddy who actually passed away from alcoholism. He's one of the reasons that I don't drink. His name's Mike Burgerstock, and you know if you, you probably ran into this guy because I mean he was out every single night. You know he went hard. I mean he went so hard he he you know passed away sadly. Um, of liver failure, but not to depress you with that story, but I do have a story uh, where I did have an awesome night with this guy. It's about the PCS. I think it was like a Wednesday night, and I had a comp day. And you know when you had a comp day when you're an airman in the dorms, you go you go hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> you you treat that like it's the last night on earth. You know, and um, so we go out to Club USA. This guy, mind you, that has. Like, he was not the best person to put my trust in as, you know, driving me out to this, to, to have a fun night out, you know. Um, but yeah, man, we, I, I remember we were the only two people there, like, as patrons. Funny. Uh, and by the end of the night, there was like this huge brawl between all the uh, dancers who were just beating the hell out of each other uh, in front of the club as it closed. And I, I remember me and Mike were just dying laughing. I mean, we just absolutely lost it. 
because we never. Bro, I ain't, I'm not fighting. I'm not fighting a Chamorro stripper. No, these girls were. I'm pretty sure they could have beat me up. I'm just saying. Um, and then that night, and then, or I should say that morning, we drive, uh, park out front by the gate, and we basically sleep in the car so he could sleep it off. And then when sun came up, we drove on base. (laughs) Dude. (laughs) And, uh, it, you know, all's well that ends well. And we made it home safe, but we'll never forget that night. Bro. You know. Rest his soul. God rest his soul. He he passed away from from all that partying. Yeah. Um, for me, my I did twelve years active duty. Um, Guam was one of my fondest memories. Like we had the crew I was with, were like it was like Animal House. It was my first deployment, and it, yeah, I know the Air Force calls going to Guam a deployment, but fuck. Hey, <sighs> who's that guy's name? Um. Damn, he's on Joe Rogan all the time. Um, you know that Navy SEAL? Uh, yeah, Goggins. Goggins. Okay, so Goggins was on Rogan uh, a few months ago, and he, he said, he was like, I was, I was deployed to, to Anderson Air Force Base, Guam. And I go, validation, that's a deployment. He said it's a deployment. <laughs> I was like, that fucker's a Navy SEAL. He called Guam a deployment. <laughs> so, like, that's awesome that David dude, Goggins was in Guam. <laughs> yeah, for real. Well, he wasn't. He was an airman. I think. Then he crossed. I think. Then he went uh, from blue to whatever the fuck you call the navy. Um, I yeah, think he, he was. He was. I think he was like TAC P or something. Yeah. So, like, I mean, one of my fondest memories from Guam, dude. Like, we we went out one night. We stole bread trucks from our garage and raced them to ta- to town from base. Jesus. Yeah. Like, can dude, I tell you a few I'm stories? Not... Go ahead. That's why you're here, brother. Dude, well, I mean, just because we we're talking, we both have been to. Was that your first base, or? No, no, no. My first base was Minot. I was deployed to Guam from de- Minot. Okay, and okay. So, but we were yeah, both was relatively new was airmen when we were at Guam. You know, around the same time, so we both can appreciate you know that time in our life. Um, you kind of reminded me when you brought up that bread truck situation that. Um, the two of the guys that were in the band of mine, um, Ronnie DeShane's, he's still in, he's still age. He's still one of my best friends to this day. But, um, the, and our drummer, his name was David Hernandez. I don't know where this kid's at. I'm about to tell you. Uh, very talented drummer, but horrible decision maker. Um, and <laughs> he had a souped up Scion, which is like, I don't think you, there's anything cringier that you could that you could own on the road but he had a souped up just decked out scion decal and the cops tried to pull us over uh for speeding and david decides that he can he's going to run from these chamoran police officers and hide out on base you know thinking that they had no access on base which they do if they're chasing someone yeah we found out so we ended up hiding in the dump guam has like a huge dump and we hid out in the car uh until sunrise drove back to the dorms where all the police were waiting for us slammed us on the ground uh but you know arrested us luckily me and ronnie um you know nothing happened to us because we we didn't even want to participate in that you know it was his call but uh yeah, the cops got him, and he was promptly kicked out of the military. I think me and Ronnie got, like, LORs or something. But that's just one of many LORs that I received in that year and a half. Yeah. 
Have you ever? Okay, okay. So we're gonna measure dicks right now. I got two article. I got two article fifteens. Okay, yeah, I don't have that. <laughs> so we're not gonna play that game. No, we're not. So, I'm not yo, playing that game. So, dude, um, I tell that I've told this before on other episodes, but when we got back from Guam, like there's so many things that happened to me in Guam. And a lot of them are I have to take to my grave. Like I, just, I have no choice. I have I can't tell anybody these some of these stories. Yeah, I, I have a few like that too. Um, where when I got back, I got called into the commander's office. First shirt, my supervisor, you know, section chief are all sitting there, and it was real quick. Commander goes, "As long as you're here at Monad Air Force Base, you will never deploy with us again." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> like they were just like you're we're not taking you anywhere ever again because <laughs> i lost my mind dude yeah, i lost yeah. my fucking mind i know i hate it when that happens when like the sober you you know swears up and down that you're not going to lose your mind you tell everyone you're cool you got it and then you flash forward to that next morning hungover and you and you're just like oh no oh yeah i mean <laughs> Dude, like the Guam experience from it was like fights, you know, stealing vehicles, broken bones. One of our buddies died. What? Uh, yeah, he drowned. He drowned on uh, you know, the beach on base. Yeah. Yeah, he drowned on that beach. Oh my god, man, that's terrible. That and we and they always warn yeah. you about that. It's one of the easiest places to drown because uh, of Dude, how we the spent, tides. We spent four days. We spent four days looking for him, like just going every morning, just not even going to work, just sitting at that beach waiting for him to wash up. He never did. Oh, he never did. Nope. They never found his body, dude. Oh, when we got back to Minot, we had a funeral for him. Yeah, I remember his mom uh, didn't want to go, didn't want to come because they didn't have his body. So we That had is absolutely camp. brutal, man. Yeah. And, I, you know, I did Honor Guard for two years. I ran that program. Uh, so, you know, I, I know what that world is like, and that's, that is brutal. Yeah. So let's get into a, something a little lighter now. Uh, okay. Dude, I was, when I was, like, researching your podcast and shit, I was, like, looking at uh, your episodes and, like, looking at your reviews. And I'm like, I was like, you know what? Most veteran podcasts are kind of the same, you know, but a little different. I mean, I know mine's a little uh, R-rated. Compared to you, because you have like, you know, you're, you've got like professional people on that are still in active duty, so you can't be fucking around. But I right. was like, well, there's I was a line you don't want to cross, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, and I was reading your reviews and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, these fucking reviews are fantastic. And then I go to my page and it's fucking, I, I pull up like a random one. It goes, roll, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> You get like that, you got all these paragraphs of reviews. And I get I get well, you're a piece of shit. Your podcast is the worst. <laughs> I love that though, man. I think I think we need humor. We need to laugh. And uh, you know, just like you know, we all need that in our lives. So I th- I still think yeah. it's a you're you're bringing a solid product nonetheless. So tell me uh, who Josh was before the military and what led you to that decision. So it was pretty easy decision because my whole family's in the Air Force. So he became a commander. Um, my he was raised in Turkey, as was my mom, because my grandfather on both sides were both in the Air Force, and then my great grandfather was a a pilot in the Air Force. Um, 
And I just found his memoir, which I hope to publish. But my, the point is, it, since day one, um, and I'm kind of providing that for my kids now too, right? They see me come home, they hear my stories, they see the uniforms, they have all the questions, they, you know, they love the challenge coins. Um, so, you know, it was always in the back of my head that I wanted to go in. I'm from Waldorf, Maryland. Not the, not the, it was awesome at the time, but there's a lot of trouble to be had where I'm from. And it started happening to me and it's, and I saw it happening pretty seriously to a lot of my friends. And I thought, you know, if I don't get out of here, like I, I just don't foresee me do, making good choices. Uh, you know, I was way too trusting, way too naive. Um, and yeah, I didn't have many skills, right? So I thought, you know what? I'm going to join the Air Force just like I always wanted, always planned on doing. And I'm going to try to go as far away from this place as I possibly can. And that led me to going to Guam and then Okinawa right after that. So mission accomplished. Damn, bro, I was in Okinawa too. The fuck? Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dude, that's wild, man. We were probably neighbors and didn't even know it. Dude, I miss Coco so bad, dude. God damn. I wish dude, I we think had I've Cocos. had dreams about Coco's, man. I guarantee you did because it's fucking the best. I lo- I First time I read Coco's, I, mean, I was like, where was this? Where was this my whole life? No, you know, it grew on me. At first, I thought it was way too spicy and just weird. I just wasn't really sure what to make of it. But it started calling my name, bro. And uh, by the time I left that place, I was Team Coco's all the way. Yeah. I got a, um, I got some paperwork because I got a tattoo on my hand while I was there. Oh, um, my God. Yeah. I fucking uh, – I got a lightning bolt on my salute hand on the – you know, on the fat part of my, like, you know, you'd see it when I salute you. <laughs> what, 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 what is the meaning of it? No, there's no meaning. I'm just an idiot. I just wanted, I just wanted the tattoo on my hand. Actually, I got, actually, I got both hands tattooed when I was there, but they didn't see the other one. Oh my God, um, man. You're wild, bro. I love yeah. that. Well, dude, like, I remember like, so I came in in 05. I, I almost got kicked out like the first few years because um, I st- had started getting my uh, arm sleeved up. And in the early yeah, aughts, or the mid aughts that was not cool. No, it was not. I, I had tattoos in Okinawa myself because there's a lot of good artists out there. And I remember I got I got tatted down to my elbow. It was still within regs, right? There's like a, that percentage that you couldn't. I think it was like twenty percent of the of the limb or something. Yeah. They hated it, bro. They gave me so much crap for it. I remember, and I remember thinking, like, come on, like we're in the freaking military, man. I can't have some tattoos. Like, chill out. But uh, that's what I, I always thought. I, I went through the same thing, man. They were giving me crap. So, dude, I, I, now you're reminding me of Guam again. So, um, on one of my arms, I had no tattoos. Um, we we were out one night. I wake up the next morning, and uh, all my sweet mates are like laughing and shit because I wake up and I'm like, I'm kind of my arms in pain, and I look at my forearm and there's a giant Trans Am tattoo on the on the face of my forearm. And I, I had no memory of it. That's so like unreal, man. Every day you I still have that? Every Oh yeah, yeah, dude. I've had stuff added to it. Now it's like a full sleeve, but like when I went to work that next day, my boss chewed me the fuck out, dude, because he was like, You know, you can't wear short sleeves anymore. You got this giant eagle, stupid ass thing on your forearm. <laughs> like that was just a, that was just a checklist of, you know, Spurbeck is never going to deploy again. Like it was just oh my god. You're and lucky you were we weren't a, friends, to be honest. 
Dude, if we were friends back then, we would have 100% got kicked out because I was very susceptible to people egging me off. Oh, yeah, dude. If you were innocent, you were peer pressure. Um, And I wanted to get – and I when I drank, I had an alter ego come out, which I called J-Dub. And when (laughs) J-Dub came out – I know that's really cringy, but – when Jado came out, man, like something was going down that night. Like, uh, so had I met you back then, like I don't think we would have. I don't think I would have made it out that base, honestly. So you're from, so you're from Maryland. I'm from Jersey. So I, I hope you're rooting for the Eagles this year. So if you're, East, if you're an East Coast kid. So my, I was raised. Packers and the Redskins. Um, my family um, is from West Virginia. They don't obviously they don't have a team. They've always loved the Packers, you know, historically, uh, which I've always loved, you know, rooting for them too. The Brett Favre days, especially. Um, but with the Redskins, man, I, I mean, ever since I was, Wait, so like, I, <laughs> I never really claimed them, man, because they, they, my dad has always just been miserable rooting for them. So I have to say, I'm a Packers fan. How old are you right now? I am 38. Okay, so we're about the same age. So you'll you'll understand this story because um. So remember back in the day when we were kids, like middle school, that that black starter jacket was like really cool to have. One hundred percent. So I asked for an Eagles one, uh, for Christmas. Uh, I think it was like ninety two or ninety one, and my mom was like, "Oh, I'll get you one." So Christmas Day comes along. I open up. I open up the box. It's a starter jacket, but it's a fucking Redskins starter jacket. No, dude, and it was the only coat I had, so I had to wear it. You know how many times I got my ass whooped, you know, walking around New Jersey and or Philadelphia with a fucking Redskins coat. I mean, that's a target on your back, bro. <laughs> oh my yeah. god! Every time I every time I see that symbol, well, it's not the symbol anymore. I always think of that jacket and just think of like people like throwing spitballs at me and shit. Dude, yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. I don't, I don't blame you for doing that, man. And it must have had toughened you up a little bit too, because that's 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 bold. That's a bold move. That is a bold move, <laughs> dude. So, also, uh, in, um, I was gonna tell you another quick story here, um, from my time in Kadena Air Force Base. Um, the first weekend out there, I went out with this guy named Jeremy Molesky. Uh, who was also on his way of getting kicked out, and I didn't know it. Um, we end up going out to gate. Yep, yep. I don't know if it even is. Now you're bringing back memories, good gate two. <laughs> yeah, so we went out the, the famous gate two street, which is such a blast back then. They had uh, that chicken on a stick, that yakitori stands, um, there, you know, just beer everywhere. I mean, it was just such a. And my very first weekend, bro, Kunsan's got a chicken on a stick that'll beat any chicken on a stick I've ever had in my life. Like, I haven't Korea. been there, but I don't doubt it one bit. Um, but, but this guy snapped that night. He was getting kicked out. I think he was like a former drug addict from Ohio, and he was like, you know, having to be sober. So, you know, he snapped that night, and he refused to drive us back on base. And so we tried to get in a taxi, and that's when I learned about the curfew. And if we were to go through the gate past this curfew, we'd get kicked out because we were airmen. And that was like the punishment for that. Uh, and so I had to. Losing his mind, crying up, trying to find like some ex-girlfriend in the middle of the night. 
uh, in Japan, just complete psychosis. I ended up getting this guy up on a roof of a building where we hid out until sunrise when we could call a taxi. And in the middle of the night, you know, the Japanese locals would come out there. Not if they would have seen us, it would have been an international incident. But thankfully, we hid in the bushes long enough on top of this apartment building until the next day when we climbed down, got in a taxi, and safely made it back on base. And that was the scariest, one of the scariest moments in my life where I almost lost my career on the very... Dude, you're pretty good. You're pretty good at fucking ditching curfew. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. But, you know, you just fucking given two the... stories and just... <laughs> Bro, I got more, Staying but given the nature night. of your show, um, you know, I figure you would appreciate these stories, man, especially because you were on the flight line too, and, and you know. Oh yeah, so dude, um, so tell everybody, uh, like your podcast origins and like you know how how it's going right now. Yeah, man. So uh, it's called Hero Front Podcast, and uh, it's about bringing your inner hero out to the front of your life, and and like the whole purpose about it. The, like where it stems from was, well, there's a few places it stems from. One, uh, when I was in Kadena, there was a time where I was on night shifts for a year. Uh, and it was 12-hour shifts most of that time. You know, a lot of weekends were taken up. And that, so the isolation, uh, you know, the drinking that I did in Guam with all my buddies, that to cope. Uh, and I almost lost my life from the drinking. When I, by the time I got to the follow-on assignment in Missouri – my the isolation was like through the roof um you know i i really wasn't a fan of missouri at that time especially coming from overseas bases and being raised in you know near country lifestyle just just didn't sit well with me and so i just decided to just isolate and drink um was just miserable in my maintenance career field i just wasn't it just kind of lost the passion for it and i started giving up on myself so the podcast, um, Hero Front, is basically all the people I talk to, the message that I try to put out there is everything that I wish I had when I was at that low moment in my life, when I had no mentor, no one to talk to, um, no one to guide me, and I just kind of felt like I was just alone. You know, I, I try to target my podcast to be that voice who might be in the same shoes as I once was when I almost lost my life. Yeah. Damn, dude. Yeah, man. It, it, I, I had a blast, but then my demons caught up with me. You know, there was a lot of like trauma and things I just never talked through or worked through, and it caught up. And when it takes a hold of you, if you don't have like a, a good foundation, like, it's a slippery slope. You know what I mean? Well, what a lot of civilians don't understand about, especially active duty, is, you know, especially if they don't have any experience with the military, all they see is the movies and shit and TV, but they don't really realize, like, especially when you're a new airman and you're in the dorms and you're, you're basically alone until you start making friends, that fucking depression creeps up real quick. Yeah. And, and you don't you know, know who like, you are, I, you know, like you yeah. had an identity with your family and your friends and your school, but now that identity is kind of stripped of you. Right. And, and, and yeah, that can be really challenging for a lot of people. I mean, I remember, you know, getting to my first base and, you know, as soon as like the door shut, um, you know, and I'm in my room by myself, I'm like, what the fuck did I do? What did I sign up for? Like, you know, you're, you're alone. Like, you know, I, I didn't even have a cell phone when I first came in because they weren't really, I mean, cell phones were, people had them, but not really. 
and, and when you're an airman with that pay that that's hard to, to manage anyways uh, exactly dude phone. like you know i remember i remember writing fucking letters back home yeah i was still writing letters then too I had my six-month tech school. I, did, I couldn't afford a phone. I think I had a phone, but I couldn't afford the minutes, and there was no Wi-Fi to, like – you basically had just such a low amount of time to actually talk, and, and texting wasn't really a, a, a thing. And so, yeah, you're you're kind of out on your own, man. And if – It was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. Dude, the first time I was brought to the attention that texting was a thing – because I was still old, old school, set in that mindset from you know back in the day. I was just like, "What do you mean? I could write a, le- a letter on this thing?" I was like, "That's gay." <laughs> like, you're like, "That's an email, right?" Like, why don't? I, yeah, I was like, "Why don't I just call you?" No, you text. I'm like, "Okay." I'm like, "I don't even know what the fuck that is." <laughs> yeah, man. Um, but uh, to to finish up a little bit on on the podcast stuff. Um, Grown up mentally over the two years that I've been, I think I've been doing about two, two and a half years now. Um, and I, another reason why I started was because of my last assignment before I got to Eglin uh, as public health. Before that, I was doing a special duty running military funeral honors for the state of Missouri for every single Air Force veteran for the whole state. So you're talking thousands of funerals. It's um, a big ass state, year. too. Yeah. And a lot of people get buried there. So it's, it's wherever they get buried where that honor guard would take over. It's a lot of people think it's where they pass away. Um, but it's, it's, you know, there's usually a transfer of the remains and it's wherever their home of record is. And there's a lot of veterans from Missouri. You know, I, I would assume Texas is another big one. Um, but yeah, tons of funerals. Um, and it, it was so hard to keep airmen motivated. You know, a lot of them are thinking about their grandparents. Um, so a, a lot of them had a hard time doing and how do I keep these airmen sane, you know? Uh, and so I started highlighting them, and I started getting to know them, and I started showcasing them on Facebook. And not only did they, you know, really enjoy being asked these questions about their purpose and their why, uh, you know, their families really enjoyed it too. And that, that kind of planted that seed where podcasting for me is how I show gratitude and highlight others. It's just another opportunity for me to, tell someone's story to highlight them um and show what makes them unique yeah um uh, and so when i when i left honor guard you know that's that i can't be like hey can i take a picture of you and talk about you on facebook like it worked in honor guard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like but like base level they're like i don't want to do like what no like it's just not it's just a weird thing that to do at normal everyday ops right um and so i thought man i showing that gratitude and and i saw the power in that i saw how people really loved it and gravitated towards it you know but i need to tweak it right i need to tweak that approach and and podcasting to me was the way to, to tweak it and it started off as a hobby and and then bigger and bigger names got on not that i'm doing it for it's not as a safe place to share their story to get a message out there in a, in a much wider net right so like if you have a command chief who does a commander's call you know that might be you know, a thousand people that message reach. But if that command chief does a podcast with me, you know, it could be potentially hundreds of thousands of maybe even. Um, and so it, it casts such a wide net to get messages out there. 
and uh, it's grown and grown and grown, and, and now it's kind of been adopted by the Air Force Sergeants Association. And just last year, for the first time, I got to go to their annual conference. It was in San Antonio, and I got to I do heard podcasting. That yeah, there's a few. I, I, I try to do them every, like once a month, I'll post an AFSA episode where it was actually recorded live in front of people. Um, and I got to spend five days straight of just podcasting for the Air Force. And it was it was a literal dream come true. It was one of the highlights of my life, honestly. And hopefully- One of them, I was listening to it and it was like, sounded like you guys were in the kitchen at the uh, chow hall. I'm like, are these motherfuckers in the kitchen? Like I, I kept hearing like forks and knives and shit. I was like, he's fucking getting it in. I was like, he's doing no, this that, shit everywhere. It was so hard to drown out that background noise, man. Cause you're, there was like 5,000 people at this event. So, um. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It wasn't distracting at all. I was just like, I was just laughing at it because I was like, I know this motherfucker is like with like a bunch of people that's sitting here. Yep. Yep. And it, and honestly, those are some of the best talks I ever had, just because of the environment. You know, people watching, listening, and it's live, like it's streamed. Like it was, uh, it was daunting, but it was, it was, it was really fun, really fun experience. So when you first started, were you like episode one out of the gate, like had a guest? on or was it just you i've only done one episode where it was just me and it's about how i stopped drinking alcohol finally because i thought that that was an, an impossible thing to do and since i was fine and, and not drink anymore i wanted to share how i did that and that's the only solo episode i ever did i had a guest on every other episode and my very first okay. episode was was my dad that was the first episode oh that's cool that's cool yeah. Um, so did you like, especially when you first started, did you uh, find it was like, like kind of awkward when you're trying to get people to come on? Like, hey, will you do my podcast? And like, you know, people are just like, uh, sure. So I, I guess the benefit I had was, you know, I stay I've been in the military this whole time. You know, we're both the same age. So I've been in 18 years now. You know, a lot of the people I've made lifelong friendships. I mean, so did you, and you were in what twelve years? Yep. Yeah. So by the you know by the time you hit around eighteen, like the relationships I formed and kind of where the culture went, the Air Force moved to the to social media much much more after COVID, like they because they had to right because of all the lockdowns and the restrictions. So. I, I think it was the perfect timing for me because it, it was the first time in our history where it wasn't a weird thing to ask because it became a bit more normalized uh, after COVID. So for me, it, it was never a, a weird. Yeah. See, like I've only had a, when I've I first had a few people say no. Yeah. I mean, I've had a few people say no to me because they've heard some of the episodes and like, oh, I don't know if I'll get in trouble. But um, when I uh, when I first started. I think we did like t the first 10 episodes we did, we just told um, like our story. And then after, after, after episode 10, we started having people on. And I remember like a few of my buddies, like I'd messaged them like, Hey, I started a podcast. You want to do it? And it was always the same answer. What's the angle? What are you trying to do? Do I have to give you money? Am I going to get arrested for this? I'm like, no, man, it's a fucking podcast. Like, take it easy. <laughs> yeah no i I, t I get what you're saying um i think the benefit that i had was that i had ran that honor guard facebook page for a few years before i started and so many of the guests that i asked especially initially were very familiar with me creating content already and what that looked like 
So yeah. I was new to podcasting, but I was certainly not new to an online presence. I was very much established like in the Air Force community for online presence. Where did uh, where did Hero Front come from? Where did the name come from? So the name it's, it's kind of a play off words. So there's home front, right? Uh, so it's a play off that word, Hero Front. I, I always liked the the I always liked the word home front. I thought that was a cool name, but I always loved the word hero. So I kind of put my own twist on it. I also like bringing your inner hero to the front of your life because I didn't always have that. You know, I was I was kind of afraid and living my life as a coward for many years. So. You know, I, I hope through the storytelling, we can be a little bit more brave um, and kind of bring that hero out that we all have inside of us. And then the last reason I named it that was it was from the honor guard um, in front of every. The, at the very front of every parade we do is the colors and they look like heroes and they're at the front of every ceremony and parade. OK, OK. I mean, yeah, I did a little play on words, too. I mean, I just thought it sounded funny veterans with benefits no that is genius actually <laughs> <laughs> you should be a, a stand-up comedian because yeah you're you're freaking hilarious man <laughs> so okay so what you just said i want to ask you about like you said uh i forget what you just uh how you worded it but you were fighting with uh your cowardice yeah yeah so explain that to me dude so like the the longer I, I went in the Air Force, the more responsibility I got. I, I didn't have those coping skills. And that's a scary part. Like when you go through, when you go through ALS and stuff, you know, it's it's scary. Like when you make NCO for the first time. Yeah. And, and some people who join, you know, a little bit later who have some life experience, you know, maybe they handle it a little better. I've seen people handle it really well um, that have had that experience. But when you're when you're brand new and you were kind of sheltered like I was, um, it, it was it was a lot, man, and I already had anxiety from you know struggling being a maintainer when that's not my natural skill set. You know, I've since switched career in a much more comfortable space with my actual God-given skill set. Um, but I was I'm a competitive person by nature, in, in a world that I'm not familiar with, right, or, or very competent in. I had to try really hard just to be bare minimum. And the the longer that I went on, the more responsibility I got and the more anxiety I got. And uh, I pretty much was living in a constant state of uh, fear, um, fear and anxiety. And it, it was it was really painful. Um, and so when I say hero front, you know, finding that hero, finding finding getting those coping mechanisms, having the power, you know, finding the courage. How you're feeling um, and trying to work through those things, understand yourself better and, and kind of learn like what you need to lean on to to get through those tough times. I tried to do it alone, and, and that that almost led to me losing my life from uh, alcohol. Yeah. So I ended up uh, getting hospital for two weeks. Yo, so let me let me get your opinion on something because I yeah. see it. Um, because I, I, you know, I live near an Air Force base. I'm not a fan of the that the uh, the ponytail that the females are allowed to, oh. you know, just lift. <laughs> I don't. I think it looks ugly, dude. I don't. I don't. I don't know. That's me. I'm. You know, I'm an old school, I guess, but I don't. I don't think it looks professional. I know yeah, you're still I, in. If you yeah. don't want to comment about it, it's cool. I get it. But I, when I no, see man, it, I, I go. Ew. No, I. I totally get it. At first, it was very like alarming because it's so we're so not used to seeing. But, but I, I'm, 
we're not so certain there's a need for it. And with the, with the, the struggle that we have with retention, there has to be certain things that are tweaked as time goes on to get the, this newer generations interested in joining. Um, and, and so that, that's where a lot of this comes from. Same with tattoos. Um, you can have, you know, really any tattoos you want, as long as they're not on your neck, face, or hands, you can, you can have full sleeves now. I mean, you could have your whole damn body tattooed. And I know you would appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and so it's catering. It, it does little things to cater to what these young airmen want because things change you know but you know does the hair you know pulled back look more professional yeah absolutely i think it's kind of intimidating even um with with some females it looks very professional but you know at the end of the day if that's going to help retention and it doesn't hurt the mission then it's like as we go forward so that we're not stuck in the past yeah yeah i get it yeah and i always thought it was kind of funny that like you know when you would especially when you first came in, you'd meet the older heads. And it always seemed like whatever like time period you joined the military in, you were like frozen into that. You know, like I remember like when I first came in, I'd still see dudes with like the uh, high top fade. Yeah. And, you know, just looking very old school 80s. I'm like, God damn, dude. Like it's 2005. Like get over it. <laughs> <laughs> like the fucking dude, mustache, I... dude. I'm like, God, yeah. you guys are the My worst. supervisor was from Alabama. Uh, his name was Josh Hardy. He's from Alabama. He talked like this. Hi, man. He talked like Boomhauer. And uh, he had the man, high man. top fade in the mustache. And he was so old school, man. Like, you got to think, like, when they joined, like, their their supervisors were, like, in, you know, had a hand in Vietnam War and stuff. Like, that's more attention to those supervisors and ask them more questions because, like, that was a glimpse into history that I can't get back. You know what I mean? Um, I wish I would have realized how radical things change. And if I would have understood that concept, I would have really paid things and asked better questions because that's a culture that I, I, I wish I would have learned a little bit more about, you know? Yeah. I just, I was just recording with somebody. Um, it was an older veteran and he had, he was in like in the early eighties and I was just thinking like, man, I would have had so much fun late 70s early 80s in the air force dude if you were overseas like dude could you imagine what guam was like in 81 like come on dude it's over like dude it's a it's probably a madhouse man because there's no cameras there's no phones there's the, i mean there's less eyes on you um there's less to do right so that always leads to interesting stuff um I, i'm sure it was absolute freaking madhouse man yeah. Do you, do do troops like do brand new troops that are you know have been in for a year? Do they even know what a juicy is? I don't believe I've ever heard that term. No. <laughs> You've never heard that term? <laughs> no, I have. I have. I I oh. think if they were overseas, they would know. But I'd say for the most part, they don't know what that is. No. Yeah. But if they get if they get orders to Korea or something, then yeah, people people take you get them the to juicy the brief. And, <laughs> yeah, and tell them these stories, right? Um, but man, I'll tell you, like every time there's new generation of airmen, people always complain about that new generation. But man, there's certain things that just never ever change. And I can tell you, the biggest thing for me, uh, looking back on my career and kind of where I'm heading, and and trying to connect with like the, these newer airmen that are joining, is trust and purpose are probably the two things that 
<clears throat> that really stand out to me the most. So trust more than ever now, right? Like they want to know that you genuinely care and have their back and they can see through any disingenuous BS. So there's much less of us in the Air Force nowadays because they've been downsizing for more than a decade. And so like you need that person has your best interest at heart. So I'd say that that's that's timeless, right? That'll never not be a thing. And then the other thing that I like to point out is purpose. Um, they join for a reason. They join to be challenged. They join for something greater than themselves. And so if they ever lose sight of that, you know, really, really, good, good, really good people, talented people separate. Um, and you wonder what the hell happened, man. This guy was like killing it. Like, why is he separating? That's, that's wild. It's because they, at some point, they, they might've lost that purpose. And, and the lowest points in my life, I didn't have purpose. So I always keep those two things in mind with any new generation and it's never failed me. And that's keeping their eye on the target. What, what drives them, what fuels them, what is their purpose? Um, and can, can I earn their trust? You know, if I get those two things down, then, you know, we're usually in good shape. Yeah. And I mean, I know something that will never go out of style, especially in the air force is toxic leadership. Um, we did a whole episode of we did a whole episode about it, and no matter what generation you are, when you see it, you you immediately know what it is. Like you you recognize it immediately because I've had so many bad leaders, and it's like it's the sniff test. Like yo, okay, I don't want to lead. I don't want to be led by you. Like uh uh, because to me it's like I've always said, if you were an asshole before the military, you're gonna be even a bigger asshole when you get that rank. It doesn't change. Like people, some people can change, but some people, it's just, it, it feels like when you get that, when you get, you know, all that rank and that leadership, it corrupts them. Yeah, man. Whole- uh, I could talk to you. I could, we could do a whole episode on toxic leaders because I've had at least one at every assignment that I've had and they've all been different. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And this last one that I met, I, I would say the longer they're they're able to be toxic, the more deadly they are at that craft, right? Um, like the ones that have been getting away with it time and time again, and they figure out the system, and they're kind of towards the end of their career, and they're more toxic than they ever were before. Those are the ones you really have to look out for. The ones that I've met earlier on in my career, I've always found a way to handle them, to deal with them, to work around them. But here at Eglin, um, I'm I'm towards the end of my career, and as was this lieutenant colonel, and he was the most backstabbing person I've ever met in my entire life because he's honed that craft. You know, he he's learned where the line is and how to get around it, and those those are the most dangerous people to have in your work better. Yep. But I mean, yeah. Anybody listening to this and we're talking about tax leadership, this is it's such a small piece of your military journey, because I would say 99 percent of it is just like lifelong brothers and sisters, friends, you know, that you you always want to talk to and catch up with. It's that tiny percent that gives you it gives the military that bad stigma sometimes. Yeah. And there's a lot of and the reason in the military, I think it's it's always a talking point for us is because there there's there's a chain of command in our life and there's gatekeepers, people who you have to go through for approval for anything. And just the way we're structured, 
when there is a toxic leader in place, they have a much larger impact on everyone underneath them. Whereas on the civilian side, there might be other options, uh, you know, move sections or go to go to human resources. You know, there there might be other me like in England, it's straight up illegal. It's a crime uh, if that person's proven guilty. So, you know, there's a little more options and freedom of movement on the civilian side. And whereas in the military, you're kind of stuck with that individual and that individual has a wide net over many people. So that's kind of why it's it becomes such a big talking point for us. Yeah. So, <clears throat> dude, before we get out of here, um, I put all my guests through a bonus round of questions. So I'm going to ask you some Please. questions. And I want you to answer to the best of your ability, okay? Absolutely. All right. For, first one, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? To fly. Everyone says that. Fuck, man. <laughs> Nothing else? <laughs> Time travel? <laughs> fucking teleportation? Mind okay, control? So you want to fly, huh? I mean, it's just That's okay, what, I, okay, fly, okay. You stay, okay. You stay with flying. Okay, let me give you a. Uh, I'd, I'd say Magneto, man. I'm gonna roll with Magneto. Oh, yeah. So That's if flying, like super villain. Yeah, if flying is too cliche, uh, which it probably is, I'm, I'll I'll flip the script on you and I'll say my powers would be Magneto's, and I would uh, I would uh, go ham with that power. Oh, I'm dude. I, God better never give me superpowers because I'm 100 gonna be a villain. Like it's <laughs> just don't. Do not give me superpowers. If I get struck <laughs> by lightning or I'm in some kind of radiation accident right. and I get powers, it's over. I'm robbing banks. I'm punching people in the face. <laughs> like I'm going to be Hancock, but worse. <laughs> I love that. So, okay, uh, next one. Favorite TV show growing up? Favorite TV show growing up was probably The Wonder Years. Hell yeah. Respect, dude. Yeah, yeah, man. I I love seeing what the past looked like, um, and and it captures your childhood so. That show is so like, good, dude. Yeah, just like with the friends in the neighborhood, how how they treated each other, how he had a crush on Winnie, and how they went, tried to stay together. I I just feel like it, it's just so relatable to our own childhood. That I my best friend growing up looked just like the like the friend. I forget his name now. Oh, the nerdy the, friend. Yeah, the glasses and shit looked like Millhouse. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I thought you were going to say he looked just like Fred Savage, but no, he looked like the nerdy guy. That's yeah. okay. <laughs> okay, so uh, if you could be a pro athlete, what sport would you want to play? So I'm not a huge sport guy. I was actually a pro gamer. Um, could I pick pro so you're, the, you're the one screaming, go touchdown and shit? I would, I, my sport was gaming. I was a pro Halo 3 player when I was a, a senior airman. Um, I was on okay. the pro leagues and uh, MLG, and I was ranked 19th worldwide. Um, it's it's a very tough sport, very stressful, but you know that that taught me more about teamwork and communication than anything else did at that point in my life. I mean, what happened? Friendship. What happened to Halo, dude? What happened? Did you even watch that show? I did it, man. I I cut it out of my life completely after it's... Halo Three. Okay, just so don't watch that show. If you have Halo in your heart, which I do too. Um, don't watch that fucking show, dude. Like, man, it's gonna they're ruin way too life. late with it, too. Like, why now? Like, good I God, know, man. A little late. So, no, and I have it, not seen it. Yeah. If anything, I want to see a Halo Reach movie. Like, give me Reach to me was the best one. It had the best what, story. It had a good story, but that's when they changed mechanics. And that's when I switched to uh, Call of Duty because I yeah. just it didn't feel the same to me anymore. But, 
Um, honestly, man, the the friends I made during the being a pro gamer, some of the friends that are near and dear to my heart to this day. Hell yeah. Okay. Um, you've been kidnapped, and the characters from your favorite movie are here to rescue you. Who's rescuing you? Neo from the Matrix. <laughs> Fucking cheat code Josh over here. <laughs> no, um I dude, thought you were gonna say stepbrothers or something. You came up with Neo. Bro, uh, the Matrix, I was obsessed with the Matrix, man. Uh that blew my mind. That opened my mind to like different possibilities. Um, you know, Neo believing in himself and being able to achieve anything. Like I just I loved everything about it, man. I I really do. It's my favorite movie series. Okay, okay. I thought you were going to say fucking Shrek. You come up with the fucking <laughs> ultimate person who's going to save everybody. Okay, last question. Last question. This is a would you rather. Okay. Would you rather able be able to control animals or be able to see into the future? Dude, I'm going to have to say control animals um, because, I mean, anytime, any, anytime you can see into the future, man, you're asking for trouble. You know, I yeah. think that, that would just take the joy – out of life uh if i'm being honest and talking to animals would be freaking dope bro that's like hell some, yeah dude yeah i mean that, that's some next level power right there uh, there's a <laughs> lot a very a very creative person could do a lot with that power um, i would just love so, to talk to my dog be like hey you got to tell me when you want to go out i'm fucking sick of guessing <laughs> yeah so that's that's definitely the power i would go with man okay so dude uh before we get out of here uh tell everybody again all your socials, where they can find the podcast, all that good shit. Yeah, man. So any music streaming app, so like uh, Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, it's on there. Um, because my mom doesn't know what any of that is, I also put all of them on YouTube because she knows what that is and she wants to watch it. So I put everything on YouTube. And then I'm on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Also, if you search Hero Front Podcast. Cool, cool. Yeah, go check it out, guys. It actually really is a good podcast. Um, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, man, dude. And I, I want to tell I, you, uh, uh, but you know, before you you say you're you're parting, um, I did listen to a few of your episodes, and and you really it really did take me back to my roots when I first joined. Um, just your sense of humor, man, is golden. It was people like you that helped get me through those hard times and I was on the flight line because you always had something smart ass to say that would have me laughing my ass off even on my worst day. Um, so I wanted to thank you too for doing what you do and, and having me on. Oh man, no problem, dude. Yeah. I just like, you remember that part in happy Gilmore where he's like uh, trying to fuck, he's like pretending to fuck everything. Yeah. Like that's what we would do on the flight line. <laughs> you turn around, you see, you just see somebody with something in their hand, fucking it. <laughs> I know, man. It was a wild time. It really was. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, dude. Uh, so yeah, I think. What do you? What you tell me? I gotta wait till June to be on your show. I think it's around there. Yeah, you signed up though, right? Uh, I think so. Maybe. Maybe I'll check my calendar again and, I think and I... send you a an update. Okay. Yeah. But I definitely no, want to have fun, you dude. on too, man. I want to hear your. Your story, uh, and, and I know there's some good stories behind those Article 15, so I want to hear about that too. Oh yeah, yeah. We don't we don't know what what that episode is gonna be like. Shit, from if someone's I rarely get interviewed, so like a lot of my stories I haven't told, so that'll be fun. I'll, I'm I'm looking forward to that. 
Well, now you can tell it on a giant scale to people still serving, so that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh hell yeah, dude! Like, I'll, your episode will be released in a few weeks. I like, oh, I like, I don't know how, I don't know how you do it, but like, um, when I'm recording, like I do uh, ten episodes a season, so I'll take like a couple weeks and I'll schedule everybody real tight and I'll just record ten episodes so I have them all in the can. Then afterwards, I can you know do my edits and. I've released them once a week. So, you know, every season is about 10 weeks long. Gotcha, man. I I'm on a, I'm on a lifelong season. I don't, I don't have an end point as of now. I record once a week and I release an episode every other week. Um, yeah. And all I the weeks I in started, between I'll post like a trailer or a clip of like the past conversation or something. When, when I started, um, we did that like week by week, but then I was like, um, I don't really want to do it that much. So like I'll do that and then take a huge break. Yeah. I like, not, I like not having to do anything. Yeah. So when I get all these episodes at once, I'm like, okay, then I, I really don't have to screw with anything and I could just wait week by week and release them. Yeah. So, man, and thank you for that adapt, changing your schedule too, to, to be able to talk with me. Uh, I know this isn't like your ideal time, but you know, oh, no, I'm, dude, I'm in a um, different I'm in a different time zone right now and you and you help make that happen for me. So I just want to tell you thanks for for that flexibility too, man. Oh no, Biggie. You you are not the first guest that's been over I've, I've recorded uh with uh an overseas guest. Oh, okay, sweet. So yeah, yeah. I'm so I'm used to that. I'm used to that time schedule. So yeah, man, let's get out of here, dude. Um once again, go find the Hero Front podcast, Josh White, solid bro. Um Let's let's get uh, veterans with benefits uh, number one veteran podcast in twenty twenty three. People, I'll vote we're, for we're you. We're gonna man. knock this guy off. I'll vote. We're knocking I'll vote this guy off his fucking horse. I'm fucking coming for you. Do it. Bring it on. All right, bro. <laughs> All right, man. It was great talking to you, man. Yeah, you you too, buddy. See ya. Veterans with Benefits is 100% organic and cruelty-free. The show is produced by Low Cash Productions, written and directed by Roland Spurbeck. If you or anyone you know is in crisis, please call the Veteran Crisis Line at 855-521-1317.